0: able to God is who he really is as we look at these attributes of him I I hope that you are taking this in and really putting this into your heart that God is he really is holy he is separate from any other entity any other person anything else in this whole universe he is uh, head and shoulders above anything else we've looked at God is faithful God is faithful, that he never goes back on his word. What he says, he will do. We looked at God is good. And of course, we know he is good all the time. God is good. I hope you'll never forget that. We looked at God is all-powerful. El Shaddai. El Shaddai. That there is nothing too big for God, nothing impossible for God. God. Not, nothing, if God sets his mind to it, that he cannot do. God can save the vilest sinner. He can save the most wretched person in the history of wretchedness. He can save them. No one is beyond the power of Jesus to save a person. There's power in the name, is there not, <laughs> of Jesus. Last week we looked at God is Unchanging unchangeable that He's never changes he's the same yesterday today and forevermore and I hope that if you miss a message you can go back on YouTube or the, or the website here and go back and listen to them because I just I want you to get a picture of who God is the God of the universe the massive God of the universe And why do we bow down before him? So that's what we're trying to do in this series, is to show you who God is. Today, we're going to look at God is all-knowing. Oh, no. (laughs) That can't be good. God is all-knowing. We're going to look at that today and see what that says. You know, God never has said in in the history of, of existence, he's never made the statement, I didn't know that. Or, what's up with that? He's never said, Oh man, I, I forgot about that one. Never made those statements. He's never said, Oops, man, I wish I hadn't have done that. You see, God is all knowing. And He is all knowing because He has absolute knowledge over everything absolute universal knowledge of everything he knows everything past history he knows everything about the universe he knows the past the present and the future and he knows everything about you and I everything about you and I not much amen on that one was there Got quiet on that one. (laughs) God knows everything about us. And the awesomeness of that statement is he still loves us. And he still sent his son to die on a cross for us. And he still says, I want you to be one of my children. And he still says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And yet he still knows everything about you and I. There's stuff that I don't want to know about you guys. (laughs) And you probably don't want to know about me. But God says, I know all about you. In Psalm 139, it's going to be the beginning part of our text. Uh, We see King David again. I I guess it's his day today. And he's going to be writing about the the awesomeness of God and the all-knowing of God. And I'm sure you are familiar with Psalm 139, but this is where we're going to kind of start today, as King David is writing and and uh, he has he has had his heart created and has been cleaned again. He has he has now gotten back, if you would, the joy of of God's salvation. God has put a sustaining heart in him now, and he is, he, is, he is living the life of a believer. His faith in God is strong, and he looks around, and he has some thoughts about the Almighty God, El Shaddai, this unchangeable God, this, un, this all-knowing God, and he pins him in, in Psalm 39. And it's, uh, there's just some really good stuff here. So for the first part of the message, I just want to quickly look at what he has to say uh, in these verses. In verses 1 through 4. Uh, He says this. He says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. God knows him. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down, and are intimately acquainted with all of my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. You see, God knows everything about you. He knows the status of your health. Did you know that? God knows the temperature of your emotions. Are you a little bit fired up? He knows the temperature of your emotions. He knows the level of your faith. Did you know that? He knows at what level your faith is. How how strong is your faith? Guess what? He knows that about you. He knows the purity of your thoughts. He knows your fears, and He knows every one of your anxieties. He knows all of those things. He's know, he knows what you're going to do today. He knows what he's, what you're going to say today. Matter of fact, he has written down in his little black book what you said, your first words. I know Kimber's were, uh, Pop, you're a great guy. I remember her saying that very distinctively. I know that's, that was her first word. I know that. And God wrote that down. he goes, yeah, he got that down. Uh, from your very first word until the very last word that you speak. The Bible says, I have recorded your words. Oh, my goodness. I have recorded your words. And he says, for those who are not believers, who have never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, he says, you will be judged by the words that you speak. He knows every word that you have spoken and will speak. He knows your words. Every thought, he knows when you come and go. He knows when you sit down and get up, when you rise and your fall. He knows that. He knows your every heartbeat. He knows the number of hairs on your head, and he knows that you cannot ever hide from him. You see, David is thinking about this, and he goes, "Wow, he knows everything about me." And then the next three or four verses, he talks about man. He says, "If God knows everything about me, what?" what am I going to do can can I hide from God can I can I ascend to heaven no God you're there can I descend to Sheol the holding place of unbelievers no no you're there can I go to the highest mountain and escape no can I go to the darkest cave no he said God you know everything about me and there's no way I can ever escape that because you know exactly where I am 24-7 and He knows exactly what you're doing, He knows exactly what you're thinking, He knows exactly what you're going to say before you ever say it. God is all-knowing. We read in verse 13, as David is thinking about this, that, that man, he knows, he knows everything about me and, and I can't hide any And then he begins to think about this, and, and these are some great verses starting in 13. Uh, these are sanctity of life kind of verses. And he says in 13, he says, You formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. I am fearfully and wonderfully made, David says. You know, when David looked at himself and looked at other people, uh, you know, back then there was not a whole lot of science. We have a little more science today, which makes it even more awesome. But I'm sure in David's mind he thought, you know, how does this brain work? How, how does this heart work? What about this blood that pumps through here? What about my eyes, my ears, my limbs? I mean, how, how does this, all this fit together? How does this all hold together? And all he could think was, wow, I am fearfully and wonderfully made I mean God you put all the connectors together you put all the blood vessels together and you have given me the abilities and my thoughts and all that kind of stuff you've given all that to me and he goes wow I am fearfully and wonderfully made I know I know when when uh, before Kimber got here and Brooklyn was pregnant uh that was that was our prayer for her for at least nine months that she would be fearfully and wonderfully made. Because you see, that's biblical. God has put her together just like how he wants her. And King David would say the very same thing. He, he, he put me together. And then he says, he says in uh, uh, verse 15, he says, My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. When I was in my mother's womb, you were there. When I was in my mother's womb, you saw me. You were the one that were putting everything together informing me and putting me allowing me to grow he said he said that's just amazing you saw me and i was when i was made in secret in 16 he says and your eyes had seen me in my unformed substance you see the bible says that he knew you and he knew me before we were ever conceived before we were ever conceived if you just keep going down in that verse it talks about he ordained your days he numbered your days before there ever was a day. <laughs> okay, which tells you what? Before you were ever born, God had already seen you. He had already put, had, had you in his mind. And he said, these are the days I'm going to give to you. And, and also, you go back the New Testament and said, these are the good works that I'm going to have you do. And I'm setting all this stuff up before you will ever be conceived. Do you think that is an all-knowing God? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And, and, and Dave would say, I'm so fearfully and wonderfully made. God knows every word, every thought, every action. He knew you before you were born, and he ordained your days here on this earth. Amen. What should be our response by just that statement? That he knows everything about us. Our response should be, I worship you, all-knowing God. I bow down and worship you, Father. Because you see, the all-knowing God has a perfect plan for your life. Did you know that? He has a plan for my life. And whatever He has planned for you and I, it is absolutely the best thing that ever can happen to you. Because He said, I thought of you before you was ever born. And I picked this out for you. And I picked this plan out for you. Because I love you so much, I want nothing but the best for you. That's an all-knowing God that can do that. Nobody else can do that. And we think about that and we remember those kind of things. And our response should be, praise you, Father. Father, you are worthy to receive glory, honor, and praise. And we bow down thinking what an awesome God that we have. He pens those words of, of praise, if you would, in verses 17 In verses 18, this is what David did when he was thinking about uh, how awesome God was. And he says in 17, he said, How precious are your thoughts to me, O God, and how fast is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand of the sea, and when I awake, I am still with you. I wonder what kind of thoughts God has about us. And I got to thinking about that. Sometimes that's hard for me to do is think. And I got to thinking, you know, when we had our two boys, those, the thoughts of those two guys just kind of consumed us. They were on our minds 24-7. Either good or bad, <laughs> you know, depending on how this acted. But our thoughts always went to those guys. Okay? Uh, when Kimber has been born... Our thoughts always go to her now. Sorry, guys. Um, and they're all, they're nothing but love thoughts. There's nothing uh, bad thoughts. It is just how much we love her and how much we see her growing and how much I see these guys growing and, and the adults. And, and there's just nothing but precious, loving thoughts towards them. And I got to thinking, you know, that's the same kind of precious thoughts that David is writing about in that verse 17. That God Almighty, El Shaddai, all-knowing God, his precious thoughts are nothing but love back to you, his children. You go, nah, I wish he had it. I'm going to get him for that. Nah, I'm going to, nah. His precious thoughts are nothing but love towards you. I want you to grasp that because so many times we don't even want to believe that. Well, I messed up. Even when David messed up, even when David messed up, his father still loved him to the max. And if if I can love my children and my grandchildren that much, David says, Father, if I try to count all the precious thoughts that you have for me, all the love thoughts that you have for me, they would outnumber the sand on the earth. You think you're on God's mind? Uh, yeah. I mean, you've got to be there all the time on His mind to be able to get that many loving thoughts that, that, that are as much as the sand of the sea. You've got a Father that loves you and is always thinking about you and always wants the best for you and then it's kind of cool it's kind of interesting I guess in verse 18 he says when I awake I am still with you Uh, that's kind of a head scratcher doesn't seem to fit there when I'm awake I'm still with you well it means he must have gone to sleep and most likely when David went to sleep he had things on his mind he probably had some fear and anxiety and some stresses he had people after him all the time He might have had some hatred. He might have had some unforgiveness. He might have had stuff going on that that when he laid his head on the pillow that, that maybe wasn't right. And he says, when I wake up the next morning, God, you have not forgotten me. You have not left me. You have not abandoned me. You have not forsaken me. I am still with you, Father. And you can just turn that phrase around. Father, you're still with me. You have not forgotten me as I walk this whole world. I think that's what David was trying to say in those verses. What should be our response to that when we think about that, God, you know everything about me. God, I can't hide from you. That you think of me in such a way that you love me. When I think about, God, how you put me together, formed me in the womb, and you were there. When I think about... When I think about you have ordained my days. David writes in verse 23. As he he does not think of himself as being arrogant or proud. But as he thinks of this awesomeness of God. And and how, how else can I show him how much I love him? How can I show awesome, holy God that I love him? And I'm speaking to you and I'm speaking to me now. How can we show him that we love him? And the Bible says, you give yourself to him in a humble way. The Bible says in verses 21 and 22, he says, "He said, I don't need your burnt offerings. I don't need your sacrifices. He says, I want you to come to me with a humble and a contrite heart. What can we do as Christians when we see this awesomeness of God? We come to him with a humble and a contrite heart and we... Pray this prayer, verse twenty-three. It says, "Search me, O God, and know my heart." Now, let me ask you something first. We'll go any further. You ever done that one? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Search me, O God. Now, I really don't want Him to do that. I'm really not willing to pray that one. Because I've, I've messed up and I haven't really dealt with it. God, I no, no, let's just forget that one, God. I mean, as a Christian, we've got to get to the point in our lives where we go, search me, oh God. Know my heart. I remember in Piedmont, Oklahoma, a long time ago, 40 years ago, this church, Sunday school was over and we'd come and sat down and uh, wait for the Uh, brother Travis to begin preaching and and for some reason I I don't even know even today why I was reading this verse search me oh God know my heart and I was reading through there and I just like it happened yesterday I remember saying no God I don't want you to search my heart I don't want you to try me Uh, I don't I don't want that and the thought came to me why don't I want that why don't I want him to search me to try me to know my anxious thoughts why don't I want that? And it just, conviction just hit me. I was born again Christian and yet I didn't want him to search me, to know me, to know my heart. That's not right. <laughs> and I, I confess that and I repented of that. And God, I, I want to be an open book to you, God. And I hope someday you guys can ever get to that point in your life. Because you see, if you ever want to be a Christian that is living a life that is Christ-like, that looks like the way Christ lived, you've got to be able to go to that verse and say, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. If there's any hurtful way in me, Father, lead me into the everlasting way. What What is he saying there? Search me, God, know me, God you already do but i but father my humble attitude is this i want you to do it because as christian you can go nah that's not the right attitude as a believer because i want to be more like your son if i want to do that you got you got to search me and you got to show me you got to show me father where it says um uh, 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 there's any hurtful way in me father is there any bitterness in me is there any Any hatred in me? Is there any sin that I need to confess? Is there any unforgiveness that I need? Father, if there's anything that I've said about anybody, Father, show me that, convict me of that. Father, if there are any actions that I've taken that are not right and pure according to your word, God, I want you to show that, convict me so that you can lead me in the everlasting way so that I can get on the right path in my life again. And that is living a life that is pleasing to you holy God I hope someday we all can be there because that's what David is saying I want to be more like your son we need to have that same kind of attitude don't we we humbly humbly go before the father and say search me know my heart try me my anxious thoughts and if there's anything that that you need to convict me on father convict me so that I can confess it, repent of it, and I get back on the right road. Uh, Boys and girls, there's nothing wrong with confession. When you open your heart up to the Lord and you say, search me, and and he might find stuff that you don't want him to find, is he mad at you? Does he hate your guts? Does he say, I'm bringing judgment on you? No, he doesn't do that. (laughs) it is a cleansing that he wants to give you he longs for you to come back to him he longs for you to serve him with the right spirit chapter 139 in Psalms is, is, is a really a good chapter I would read that again if I, I was you God knows everything you know and sometimes that, just that statement alone right there God knows everything. That's almost mind-boggling, isn't it? If you think about it, it's just mind-boggling. He knows, oh my goodness, He knows everything. Everything that we don't even know, but He knows. 1 John 3.20 says, God is greater than your heart. And He knows all things. All things. Acts 15.18, known to God from eternity were all His works. From eternity. Psalm 147.4 says he counts the number of stars and calls them by name. We've spoken about that verse a couple of times already. He counts the number of stars and gives names to all of them. You know, God knows the temperature of every star. He knows the composition of every planet. He knows the vastness of every galaxy. He knows the course of every comet. He knows the path of every falling star. He knows where those asteroids are going. You know, you hear about it in the news. Well, we got one coming this way. It's going to hit us right smack between the eyes. Guess who controls the course of that asteroid? Holy God does. And it won't hit us unless he has decided he wants to hit us with it, okay? Or else it's going to zoom Right past it. That is just so amazing. He He knows the shape of every snowflake. And they say every snowflake is different. And he knows the shape of every one of them. He knows what's beyond the galaxies. And this is probably the greatest point that we can at least relate to. He knows what's beyond the grave. He knows what's beyond the grave. He knows what he has set up for his children. And he knows it and he wants every person to enjoy the inheritance that Jesus Christ has been able to give to us through his blood sacrifice on the cross. His wisdom is high as the heavens, is deeper than the oceans. It is broader than the universe, and it's longer than eternity. That's the holy God that we serve. That's the God that we serve is called all-knowing God, and we serve him. An all-knowing God knows our sin. He knows when we sin. An all-knowing God does that. You can't hide from Him. You can't get around it. Jeremiah twenty-three, twenty-four says this: "Can a man hide himself in hiding places so that I do not see him?" declares the Lord. <laughs> I, he said, "I've filled the heavens up. I've made the heaven. You think you can hide from me? No." Hebrews four, thirteen. And there is no creature, creature hidden from my sight. But all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of the Lord. Psalm forty four twenty one. He knows the secrets of your heart. He knows the secrets of your heart. God knows your secret sin. He knows your secret desires. He knows your secret thoughts. He knows your secret looks. He knows your secret fears. He knows when you love somebody. He knows when you despise somebody. He knows when you do not keep the Sabbath day and keep it holy. He knows, he knows that. He knows all the good that you've done and he's written them in his book because one day as a believer you'll be rewarded for all the good that you do. You see, God knows everything that we think nobody else knows. God knows and he knows our sins. And we've got to understand it. So what is our response when we know that he, that he knows our sin? What should we do as born-again believers? We begin to confess. We confess, ask for repentance and restoration. You see, we can't prosper as a believer if we don't confess sin. If we're a believer, the sin does not affect our relationship. It just affects our fellowship. And he says, I want you to confess your sin. I already know it, but I want you to do it anyway. Proverbs twenty-eight, thirteen: He who conceals his transgression, his sin, will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion and mercy. You see, you're not going to prosper in life if you just keep your sin hidden. That's what King David tried to do for 11 months. And about ruined him. About ruined him. Come to the Lord, take it to the Lord, confess it. He already knows it. But he wants you to come with a humble heart, saying, Father, I confess. Confession means I agree. Father, I messed up. Here's what I did. I messed up. I agree with you, Father. And then, he says, I will faithfully forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. God knows our sin. He still loves us. But he's made a way to get around that sin. And he says, confess. Don't hide it. Get it out and open. And you'll find compassion. And you'll find mercy. We have fellowship with an all knowing God, number two. How can we have fellowship with Holy God? As a person, that is impossible. The only way we can have fellowship with Holy God is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, the Bible tells us that when we got saved, He said we were washed whiter than snow. When we got saved through the blood of of Christ, we have now been accepted into the family of God. When Christ died and shed that blood and we accepted that as his Lord and Savior, he gave us his righteousness and he took our sin. When we accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, we became one of his children. We became one of his children. And because we are his children, believer, because we've accepted his son as Lord and Savior, we can have fellowship with, With a holy, all-knowing God. If you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you do not ever have fellowship with holy God. Only comes through those who are His children and those who are His believers. But if that is us, if that's who you are, if you've been born again, you have fellowship with holy God. He says, I want you to seek my wisdom He said, I want you to stand on my promises. I want you to tell me the good and the bad and the ugly of your life. Bring it all to me. I want to know it. I want to talk about it. I want to discuss it. I want you to confess. I want you to praise. I want you to daily come to me and talk to me. If you have a friend and you don't ever talk to them, after a while that friendship, that relationship kind of breaks off a little bit. That fellowship does. In the same way with God, God said, I want you to come to me every day and let's talk. Every day, let's talk. Tell me what's going on in your life, the good and the bad and the ugly. Let me know. Let me know what your fears are. Let me know what your thoughts are. God said, I will help you with those kinds of things. You know, it's so good that we can have fellowship with a holy God. The God who is holy, who created the universe, who knows beyond the galaxies. And yet he says, I still want to talk to you. I still want to have a relationship with you. Why? Because he just loves us so much. We were created in his image. And he wants to have fellowship with you and I. He loves us so much. We get to pray to an all-knowing God. And if you think about that, that's kind of a mystery. Because the mystery is, is if God knows everything... Why do I need to pray? Ooh, that's a... Well, because he told us to. <laughs> okay? He told us to. He said, I want you praying to me. I want you talking to me. I want to have fellowship with you. I, I know everything, but I want I want you to talk to me about it. And we get to the point in in, in, in our lives that we kind of do it backwards when we pray. Did you know it? Because most of the time, and I'm as guilty as anybody, that... that when we pray, we give God a list of list of wants. Ding, 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 ding. gotta want, 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 And and we're hoping in the back of our mind that, yeah, maybe God will give that to me, like a like a happy grandfather. Yeah, here's my list, God. I hope you give that to me. That's not really praying. Okay, I mean, He wants us to do that. But praying is not that. Praying is when we go to the Heavenly Father. We say, Father, this is what I want. This is what I would like. This is my desires. But Father, whatever I have asked you for, I want them to fit in to your will for my life. Father, I want my life to conform to your will and not vice versa. Father, I want my life to conform to what you want. As opposed to God... Conform to what I want, give me what I want. Then the perfect example of that, and the one that's easy to remember, is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. I mean, as he is praying, and, and sweat drops of blood is coming off his head, and he's saying, Father, Father, is there just a better way? Is there another way? Father, is there a plan B? I'm not really looking forward to the crown of thorns, Father. I'm not looking forward to that beating, Father. I'm not looking to have nails put where but then what does he say not my will but your will see he was open and honest with the father but after he'd said his said and done his deal where was his heart I want your father your will father and not mine see that's what that's what it means God says, bring your good and your bad and ugly to me. But at the end of the day, I want your will in my life. One of the best ways that God answers prayer, and you won't believe this unless you've experienced it, is when he says no. When God says no, you've asked, you've asked him and you've prayed and you've submitted, and yet the answer is seems to be no. Why is why is that the Donnie have you lost your mind? I mean, Donnie, I'd rather pray and get a yes, bingo, bangle, Let's get this going. But you just said probably the one of the best things answer you can get is is no. Why would I say that? Because you see, when God says no, when He says this is not the course that I want you to take, He is saying my plan, His plan, is better than your plan. He's saying I got something a whole lot better than what you. Have asked for, if you would. And he says, I am going to say no to what you want to do because I want you to grab a hold of this great plan that I have for you. So when he says no, that is a compliment because he wants nothing but the best for you and I. Do you get that? He wants the best for you and I. And if if your plan is pretty good, I can promise you today his plan is a whole lot better because he has a perfect plan for you and I so when no happens when the door seems to be shut all you need to do is thank him for that and praise him for that no because he's got something better coming down the road just for you that's good stuff right there okay that's good stuff right there and real quickly the all-knowing God knows us when we're suffering he knows us when we're suffering. When trials come, temptation come, heartache comes. Guess who knows it? He does. You'll never be alone. Sometimes he explains why, sometimes he doesn't. I mean, Job had it pretty rubbed, didn't he? Did God ever say, Well, Job, this is what we were doing, Job, this is why I did it. No. God just revealed, God just revealed himself to Job and said, I got this, Job. When we're struggling, when we're hurting, he knows what's going on he knows the struggle he knows the hurt he knows the answer to the struggle he knows how many tears you're going to shed he knows how much hurt your heart is going to experience he knows how many blessings you will receive as you move through the suffering and through the trial he knows that he'll keep every one of his promises related to you he knows that his grace is sufficient, and he knows the outcome will be for your good and for his glory, when you're suffering. Did you hear that? He said He knows that the outcome, whatever it's going to be, is for your good and for his glory." That's why things happen in our lives. Romans 8:28, "For my good, for his glory, to, to make me more like his son. Jesus Christ and that's the object of the ball game you know knowing that God knows when we're hurting knowing when we're experiencing heartache when we're experiencing tough times he gave us a verse in Proverbs that we need to hold on to and it's Proverbs 3 5 and 6 and it says this trust in the Lord when you're hurting, when you're suffering, when your heart, heart is about to break, he says, Trust in the Lord. Do not lean on your own understandings. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight or successful. You see, when we don't know where to go, his word tells us where to go. Take it to the Father, trust him. That he knows exactly what's going on in your life. Trust him with all of your heart. Trust him with all of your heart. Trust him with all of your heart. That's what he wants from us. And he says when you do that and you acknowledge him and all that kind of stuff. He said I'll make, I'll make your path straight. I'll make your path successful. I'll make it where it's good. But when we, sometimes when we suffer and we struggle we take it all in and we don't ever give it up to him. We take it all in, and we don't give it to him. He says, Trust me, I got this one. You're good, my glory. Dirk, Dirt, put up 139 again, would you please, buddy? Psalm 39, as we begin uh, our time. I want to go back to this first just one more time. And and I hope that, that either today, tomorrow, someday, you'll be able to go to the Father and say these words, search me, O God, and know my heart. He already knows it anyway, but he wants you to humbly come to him requesting that. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. I mean, if I got anxiety, if I got fear, God, just let me know. And if there's any hurtful way, anything that's in my life that shouldn't be there, God, confess it. Let me confess it. Let me clean that up so that you can put me on the right road of living again to be a Christ like servant. As we begin the invitation time, that's kind of what we want. I mean, that's where, where it's going. Is do you do business with Holy God? I challenge you to use those words, search me, O oh God, and know my heart, and just speak to him, the altars will be open, make your altar right there at the pew, search me, O oh God, know my heart, as the piano plays.